comic books, comic books, comics, comic book podcasts, comic books, I'm Joe Getcho, and I'm Mike White, and this is We Like Comics Because They Have No Bones. Yes, it is. And as usual, you can check us out on social media at Boneless Comics Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube for our after show and at Boneless Comics One on Twitter. And as usual, you can also check out our website at bonelesscomicspodcast.wordpress.com for bonus material like notes on each episode, more information about us, your dynamic duo hosts, or Ah. directly on our podcast distribution site, anchor.fm slash bonelesscomicspodcast. Like us, subscribe to us, and send us comments with your thoughts on our podcast. Uh, We've been looking at the statistics, and some of them are evening out so that the platforms are all being used semi-equally, which is cool to see. Uh, We're slightly more popular on Apple Podcasts than Spotify now, and we also have some decent percentages listening through web browsers and directly from Anchor. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and if this is your first time listening to an episode, welcome. You should go back and listen to the others, too. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, particularly with this one, because this is a really nice companion piece to the Batgirl episode that we just did. So I, I think if you enjoy this one, probably go back and listen to that one, too, because it's pretty relevant as these two characters are, are related. I um, Sort of a side note, I noticed on Spotify recently that they do have a rating option, like Apple Podcasts. We've Weird. been telling people to give us five-star ratings, and I, I don't know if they just added that feature or if it was so buried in menus that I didn't find it before, but I mean, this, you know, a couple of middle-aged guys using technology so maybe i just missed it Hmm. yeah everybody definitely rate us on spotify as well anytime we can get a a high rating that helps our visibility so appreciate it a lot and even if you don't like us rate us and let us know why (laughs) yeah that's right yeah any kind of feedback really i mean i i think we're here for it so without further ado let's go ahead and get into it today we're going to be talking about 2016's nightwing better than batman which is the name of the trade and four issues of the story arc that we're reviewing. Actually, not all six. But oh. I think functionally, all of these issues form a pretty complete story. So for those purposes, it's going to be Nightwing number one through four and seven and eight. We're leaving out issues five and six because they're part of a crossover event called Batman Night of the Monster Men that is not related to this at all. Even though there are plenty of monsters in this story. Uh, yes, there actually are. That's going to definitely be something that we come back to quite a bit. Yeah. So our writer is Tim Seeley. He is credited on DCComics.com as a penciler, colorist, inker, writer, scripter, cover, variant cover, coverer, I guess that should say. I don't know. What's the <laughs> plural on that? Cover, cover artist. <laughs> yeah. Variant cover artist. Um, his works primarily include G.I. Joe, Batman, Nightwing, and a few others. Kind of an odd mix. Um, Mm -hmm. But he also has an image comic series called Loaded Bible that has a political theme of Jesus versus vampires in a post-apocalyptic Christian-run society, which is (laughs) very strange. And then also some of his illustration work, he's into some X-rated stuff on titles called Money Shot, Hack and Slash, and apparently an adult coloring book called Use Lots of Flesh. So very interesting guy. Uh, very strange, and there are definitely some weird to his stories, and there's plenty of weird in, in this story as well. 
so I didn't know anything about his non-DC work <laughs> coming into this. So that that completely caught me off guard. I, I had no clue that he was he was working in like adult coloring books and with with like capital A adult. Yeah. And I also didn't know that he did any kind of penciling at all. Uh, as far as I know, all the work he's done at DC has been as a writer. And you're definitely right, though, that 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 sort of like wacky off the wall or like weird elements are things that he really likes to bring in. Most recently, he's been writing a miniseries about King Shark and one of his personal characters that he created at DC called Defacer. She's, I don't know, like a criminal graffiti artist that somehow ends up uh, on the Suicide Squad. But uh, that series is just like ridiculously over the top and weird as well. So that's that's definitely something that shines through in this story. You guys will be relieved to know that it doesn't really have any of those adult elements that Joe was just talking about. So no, uh, we uh, yeah. avoid those in, in this, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to run a PG-13 show here. So the penciler was Javier Fernandez, and Fernandez is from... Granada, Spain. He is kind of a hot artist right now. I mean, he's been doing a lot of work, but it's all been very, very recent, like within the last decade or so. And his first professional job in the industry was for Kickstart Comics. In 2011, he was hired by Marvel to pencil Captain America, which is one of my guys. And eventually he moved on to do a Magneto miniseries. Shortly after that, he began working on the Bat Family titles at DC, and he's kind of just stayed there since so he's done some batman some nightwing some detective comics uh and he's also done uh you know both interiors and cover work for justice league and green arrow as well outside of those titles but really it's it's been just kind of focused on those again uh it's really only been the last like nine or ten years that he's been working or, or at least that i could find a record of his work so his art in this I think was pretty standard, like nothing really stood out to me. It told the story. It kind of did, I think, what it was supposed to do, but I didn't think anything was like remarkable or well-drawn or horribly drawn. I don't know. Did you have a different He's, view of that? So there's sort of a, a recent wave of Spanish, and, and I, use, I use the term Spanish loosely, people from like Spanish-speaking countries, artists that have been coming over to DC and Marvel in the last you know, 10 to 15 years. Jorge Jimenez uh, is probably the most high profile one. Uh, although if I remember correctly, I think he might be from Brazil. So he probably speaks, speaks Portuguese, but at, at any rate, Javier Fernandez style is very similar to his. It's very, it's very like energetic. There's a lot of action. Uh, things seem like they're in movement a lot, but it's not overly detailed either. It's, it's really just kind of, what you need gesturally to be able to tell what's going on with the action. And it's very kind of streamlined and pared down. I also think that the color palette was not like the full sort of 3D rendering of lighting that we see on artists like Jim Lee that really, really go into deep detail. It was, it was more the suggestion of that. So it was, it was a little bit more restrained in a lot of ways than what I would expect or what I've seen from artists from this area. But it's, it's definitely got a similar look to it. There's a little bit of anime influence in there and just how some of the action lines, when, when somebody's shouting or getting really angry or you know something like that, 
that's in there, but I don't think it's to the point that it overwhelms it or makes it look like anime. So yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pretty standard. This is this is a very trendy art style in comics right now. So Javier Fernandez is just very much in line with kind of the current art trends in the industry. Hmm. So I, I guess uh, now that we've talked about the art, we should probably talk about the story. But before we even get into that, uh, I wanted to ask you, what was your background with Nightwing before reading this? Most of my background, which I think is similar to yours, came from Batman the Animated Series from the 1990s. Mm-hmm. I'll let you kind of talk about that, but I wanted to talk a little bit about something more recent, which is the Titans TV show from 2018, which is a much, much darker take on these characters because, you know, everything Bat-related these days needs to be dark and edgy and gritty. Oh, yes. But this was this was a live-action interpretation. It was kind of a little rushed but it, it it's interesting to highlight some of the differences and sort of the portrayals that are out there and maybe some that, you know, some people getting into this are maybe more familiar with, with it being live action. So in the show, Dick has already left Bruce as Robin. And I don't really want to spoil too much, but basically there's a storyline in season two that um, Dick Grayson, he feels guilt over. So he gets arrested and gets sentenced to seven years in prison. And while he's there, he meets a South African refugee who tells him a story about Alazul, which is Spanish for blue wing. And it's a hero that's worshipped by his village who lives between the moon and the stars. And in the time of greatest need, he flies down and saves you. So basically, uh, and Dick recaps this, (laughs) a bird that comes in the night and saves people? That seemed to be enough to inspire him to take a stand to help uh, the refugees try to escape this prison, fight against the guards, and eventually become Nightwing. So an additional... <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm sorry, that's really funny because that's way off base. And, and we'll, we'll get into why he actually picked the name really soon, but, but that's... Uh, yeah, so yeah, the show has that's... a lot of things like that, like <laughs> Batman kills the Joker, the Titans are all pretty much equally violent... Jason Todd is on drugs, Tim Drake is a takeout delivery boy, and Barbara Gordon is the commissioner of the GCPD and apparently hates heroes. So it's very out there. It's not like Gotham that was sort of like taking the elements and telling its own story. This really, Titan seems like it's an adaptation, but it's like through a lens of darkness and blackness that's making it a lot more gritty, so... But I, I just wanted to talk about that because it's it's so drastically different, yet at the same time, it's, I don't know, kind of a fun show, and it gets better each season. So, Well, it's funny because what I've seen of it, I've never actually watched it. I, I think the first trailer that I saw where, where basically uh, Dick Grayson looks into the camera and he's like, F Batman. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think I'm out. They're, they're obviously just trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy, yeah. and, and that kind of that kind of turned me off right away. And I I haven't heard anything yet. That's made me go, Oh man, I really need to see this, this different take on my characters. I think Gotham was easier for me to swallow because it was so clearly from the get go, like, okay, we're just setting up our own unique world. It feels like Titans. They're going like super comic accurate with the looks of the characters and the outfits and things like that. Like I know they showed uh, Garth, or Aqualad in one episode and like they nailed his outfit as Tempest. But, you know, the actual characterization and the spirit of who these people are seems to be off. 
And I think I can handle it more the other way if they don't look quite right that they're they're kind of nailing who they are as people. So yeah, I've I've kind of stayed away from it. I I was aware of Nightwing. I guess to answer my own question, I was aware of Nightwing just kind of through word of mouth before Batman the Animated Series was on or before I was kind of aware of it. At least I I have early memories of, you know, having at least seen a picture of him, maybe on a comic book cover or something like that. I didn't read a lot of Batman as a kid, though, so I didn't really know anything about him. I just had always heard kind of through word of mouth that, okay, he's he's Dick Grayson. He grew up and he needed to become his own hero after he was done being Robin. So that's for the purposes of this story. That's really what you need to know about uh, about Dick Grayson. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, he was Robin, the boy wonder. He grew up. He started spending more time with the Teen Titans. And depending on which version of continuity you're looking at, he either became really angry or he just realized he didn't, didn't have time to devote to both Batman and the team. But eventually he adopted his own identity and something that they get to actually in Nightwing Rebirth number one, which uh, Joe, from what you told me, you weren't able to read that in the DC Universe app, which really kind of sucks. But uh, something he talks about there is that he actually picked his name because of Superman. It's got nothing to do with Batman. So there is a Kryptonian legend about characters, basically heroes from their past, called Nightwing and Flamebird. And these characters were in a story that Superman was relating to Dick Grayson. And he decided to basically model his appearance on that on a more brightly colored daytime hero that was saving people. Because uh, Nightwing, more than anything else, is really about defining Dick Grayson as a person apart from Batman. So it doesn't have anything to do with Batman. It doesn't have anything to do with him being Robin or any other bird motif. Uh, it was the uh, Nightwing was known as the great rebuilder or the catalyst of change, eternally reborn to start anew. So it's kind of like our, our myths about uh, Phoenix in, in Greek mythology. And that's very appropriate for Dick because he is actually a character that has adopted many, many identities throughout his history. So that's that's actually really cool that that's the identity that he landed on for this. That's interesting that it came from something Superman related. Mm-hmm. Were there any reactions from Superman about like, oh wow, I think it's really cool that you're striking out on your own, and you know you're taking this from a story that I told you from my home planet? Like, yeah, we should hang out more often or something. Well, they they have an issue actually later in Tim Seeley's run where Superman teams up with him and there is some discussion about it. But as far as I know, he was aware of it and Dick Grayson kind of ran it by him in the older comics as well. So they, they've always had kind of a friendly relationship. I think it's, you know, it is kind of like friend of a friend thing where, you Mm -hmm. know, Batman and Superman know each other and they team up. So Nightwing having been around ends up getting to know Superman as well, but it's also part of him just, being an adult and joining that larger hero community as opposed to just being associated with like a teen team or with uh, Batman himself as a sidekick character. So, yeah. well, yeah. it's good that he didn't have to be a Kryptonian to use that. Cause I don't think the name <laughs> Dick L would have went very well together. <laughs> 
yeah that that wouldn't have that wouldn't have gone over too well no, probably not so if you don't mind i'm gonna go ahead and quickly summarize what happened before this story particularly in nightwing rebirth number one because that issue gives us the very quick and dirty rehash of really the last five years of his history and so we've we've mentioned new 52 before but that was pretty much DC's line-wide reboot. They took everything back to number one. And during that time, uh, it was revealed that Haley's Circus, that the Flying Graysons were a part of when Dick Grayson was a child, was actually a front for the Court of Owls. And the Court of Owls is a, you know, a clandestine organization. They've been there since the foundation of Gotham. It's basically a, a way for the rich and elite to control everything that happens in the city. And they, they have undead assassins called Talons. And so the actual real purpose of Haley's Circus was to be a front for this organization. And they were supposed to be looking at the different gymnasts and people in the circus and trying to pick out people that would be good candidates for Talons. So he's referred to by the Court of Owls as the gray son of Gotham. And they, you know, so that, that sort of amalgamation of his name or whatever is is like you know yes you were being groomed for this role we very much wanted you to be a talent but then his parents got murdered and bruce wayne took him in and sort of removed their ability to indoctrinate him so he has a very strong tie to these villains where they're one of his threats that since 2011 the court of owls or in this story the parliament of owls they keep coming back to fight him so wow so the court of owls ends up being more of an antagonistic organization for Nightwing rather than just Batman. Yeah. Because it's part so of they, his origin. They in in New 52 and moving forward, they are actually ingrained in his origin. So so yeah, they're they're very much a part of that that world. And his first trade, I believe, doesn't really get into it, but the second one really gets into it strongly. And uh, yeah, he's he's obviously got a decision he has to make where he's like, do I, you know, want to separate myself from this organization or or kind of pay homage to it because it's where my parents were and, and all of this. And I, I can't remember if they had any awareness that that was the true purpose of Haley's Circus or not, but it, it's definitely a story element that keeps coming back. So this story really just continues with that. And so, um, does that mean the Court of Owls is directly responsible for what happened to Dick's parents, or is it more just it was still either an accident or somebody sabotaged, but it wasn't necessarily the Court of Owls? Just uh, Tony enemies? Zuko was an independent operator, from what I recall, okay. because I I don't think he was involved. And again, it's been years since I read the story, so I might I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Tony Zuko, the guy that uh, killed. Dick's parents was somebody that just kind of came in out of nowhere. I mean, it was it was some kind of, uh, you know, somebody got in debt and he was with a crime family and they didn't pay up. And then the Flying Graysons had to pay the price. But but the the court wasn't able to stop it in time. And so they lost control of their their child that they were trying to indoctrinate. Uh, and so that also gives them a very clear vendetta with Batman for why they would hate him, because he he took away their agent that they were going to be training up. Right. So. That would have really changed his motivation. If the court of owls was like directly responsible for his parents' death, that yes. would have 
<laughs> been a different story, I think. Yeah, well, and and I think I think this would have been a much darker story. Yeah, if if that was the case, but uh, really, all you need to know about what's changed since from that point until now is that Batman and his agents have spent a lot of the New Fifty Two dismantling various pockets of the Court of Owls. And all that was really left was their leader, Lincoln March, and then sort of a small gathering of Gotham's rich elite and other people from other places in the world. And Lincoln March was planning to have them go global and go international and start building up pockets of their secret society in other cities. But he's very quickly assassinated by the new leader of the uh, Parliament of Owls, which is their international name. And I don't believe they reveal who actually assassinates him, but that happens in Nightwing Rebirth number one. So okay, that's a that's a little bit of an important story beat. And uh, but I I don't think you really need to know who Lincoln March was to understand this story. There was some like supposition or implication that he might be Bruce Wayne's younger brother in the Court of Owls storyline that Scott Snyder wrote, but I don't think we ever got like hard confirmation of that so yeah interesting again it's it's been a few years so for this story better than batman mm-hmm. um i i don't there might have been some references lost on me but i i think overall i was able to track everything that happened but essentially nightwing he's establishing more trust in his own instincts rather than just being a carbon copy of batman or just using what Batman taught him and, you know, sticking to that rule book per se. The Court of Owls, which we've mentioned several times, I don't know for anyone who's not familiar with it, basically they're an organized crime group and a secret society. They're made up of wealthy Gothamites and they have an owl theme. They wear owl, creepy owl masks to maintain their anonymity. And Dick here is playing the long game of working for them, all while trying to find the right moment to bring them down. So he's infiltrated their organization and trying to find a weak spot to press on. But before he gets too far along, the Owls appoint a partner for him because they kind of get wise to what's going on. And this partner's name is Raptor, who is a freelance assassin with better branding, who tells him that everything Batman taught him is wrong. Raptor is a skilled combatant with pain immunity and some sort of manga arm thingy called Suyolak that can pretty much produce anything the plot calls for. Yeah, so uh, his gauntlet, Suyolak, or whatever, I, I did do research on this because I was like, that's that's too specific of a name for it not to be something. Yeah. But it's from Romani legend, and Suyolak was a wizard with every cure. So Raptor does this thing where he appears and... He's like, I have the cure for what ails you. And then a mist will come out of his gauntlet or whatever comes out of his gauntlet that he needs. It's a little bit convenient because they never really explain how it works or how he got this incredible ability. But that's pretty mm-hmm. much Raptor's edge in combat. And that's how he gets one up on anybody that he's fighting. It also has a claw. And yeah. we do get to see the inner workings a little bit because he has like a little tiny thing of blood that he's able to transfuse to himself on the fly mm-hmm. and heal his wound that he's already lost a whole bunch of blood. And then he's good to go and he can run and sprint and, you know, do all kinds of acrobatics just from that little patch inside this gauntlet. But again, it's it, it seems to just really fit with whatever the story 
calls for it can produce yeah it's a it's a MacGuffin. it's it's just like a we're not going to explain how it works raptor can do whatever we need the you know the story needs him to do with this gauntlet so i i almost thought suyalak might have been a better name for him given that that's his whole gimmick instead of raptor because he doesn't really have anything in common with a raptor except that it's part of his i mean they have claws yeah but he's only got one claw Mm -hmm. i don't know he has an airship too named Buteo, which is basically means hawk or buzzard, depending on which version of Spanish you're looking at. So one thing that's a really common theme in this story is branding or propaganda being actually weaponized. So it's something that Raptor talks about a lot where he's like, I've I've got better branding than you. Uh, you know, I've got I've got my logo on all my stuff. I'm people care about who I am because I've I've built up this big persona around myself basically and that's that's definitely something that they talk about a lot and it's also something that's relevant to the parliament of owls as well because they're very much a propaganda machine that are trying to shift pieces in politics and the world around to you know suit whatever they want well and it's also similar to batman who uses fear as a weapon like Mm -hmm. there's i think two flashback scenes where he's training Nightwing and he's basically like you know these criminals need to fear us we don't trust them we just instill fear so that they tell us what we you know the information that we need and then that's it like we we hand them over to the justice system so Batman you know kind of has this branding of his own of when you see the bat coming you should be afraid you should be running (laughs) because you know what's going to happen so Raptor sees Nightwing as kind of like a brand extension of Batman rather than him being his own person. Like Batman right. owns the parent company and all the members of the Bat family are just subsidiaries, I guess. Right. So Yeah, I mean, he everything Raptor does is very much on brand and and I think I think that's that's obviously very much, very intentional because they talk about it, but it's also something interesting to inject into a Nightwing story because this is very much especially at the beginning of this story, Nightwing is asking a lot of questions of Batman. Hey, do you think I'm going about this the right way? And and Bruce is basically like, look, you said you wanted to do stuff on your own. I'm going to let you just do it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily so worried about that. You do things differently than me. Go out and do it. And even, even the idea of using fear as a weapon, I think is something that Dick Grayson himself is not necessarily so interested in. His tone and his character is so different from Bruce Wayne where Bruce Wayne I view as somebody that's kind of stuck in that moment of pain that happened to him as a child Dick Grayson in a lot of ways has moved beyond it and he's really helping people just because he likes helping people and that's that's sort of ingrained in him to be a hero because Batman raised him and you know obviously he does want to prevent things from happening to others but there's also kind of this sense of just swashbuckling fun about him where he's like, he just likes jumping off rooftops and the adventure aspect of it as well. So I, I do like the title of this trade better than Batman, because in a lot of ways, this story is about him finding a better way than Batman to be a hero or, or a different way, at least, if not better. Yeah. The, so I have sort of a personal anecdote along with this story, which will sort of feed into my rating but Mm -hmm. um 
you know, I've never been in the circus. I don't dress in spandex at night, but (laughs) (laughs) as far as being in business, so I had basically you could call a a business mentor and, you know, we, it's sort of similar to Batman and, and Nightwing. Well, who was Robin at the time where it's like the younger person has kind of their own ideas how to, of how to approach things. They want to kind of go off in their own direction, but you have the mentor who's got the experience, who knows kind of what the right way to go is or, or can predict what the reactions are going to be. And he, he's got, like, Batman is Batman. He's got his style down. He's got his brand down, you could call it. He knows exactly what he's going to do pretty much in any situation because of prep time and, you know, sitting around thinking about how to beat bad guys. But Nightwing, he, he's got a lot of his own ideas, his own instincts, and he's got a lot of training from Batman, but he doesn't really have the experience of just being on his own and thinking for himself. And so for me, like it's a similar situation that I was in where I was with this mentor for many, many years. We became really good friends, and finally it came time for me to get a position where you know, essentially I was the top dog kind of on my own away from him, and right. it was difficult because I was trying to remember what I was trained to do. And I was always thinking, you know, what would he do in this situation? How would he handle this situation? Oh, I bet, you know, if we were in this situation, he would be able to get us out of it. And, you know, it took realizing, and, you know, he told me the same thing, like, you got to think about, you know, what are, what are you going to do in this situation? And sometimes you have to sort of pick what you're going to do and commit to that and, you know, learn from your mistakes. And that's really where Nightwing is here is he's, he's out of it or he's out from Batman and he's trying to establish himself on, on his own, but he comes up against a situation where he's not entirely sure what to do and his instinct isn't going to carry him through that situation. So he has a little bit of uncertainty and the first thing, thing that he does is, well, let me go ask Bruce, you know, what would he do in this situation because he's trained me. And Batman, I think, does the right thing, you know, maybe gives him a bit of a cold shoulder. It's a it, little harsh. Yeah. yeah. I was going to I was going to ask if you felt like Batman was a little too harsh with him. It, but but it was kind of like and I think Raptor says he he's, you know, starts to do like a self-proclaimed mentor thing for Nightwing. And it's like, well, I'm going to give you some tough love here. So I think what <laughs> Bruce was doing was a little tough love of like. You said you wanted to strike it out on your own, so you need to figure out what you're going to do. You know, it's basically he's given him the the tools and the foundation to be able to succeed. Now it's up to Dick to figure out, you know, to use all everything that Bruce has given him over the years to actually be successful. So, yeah, it did come off a, a little cold, especially because I think Bruce, like, he was like, well, I'm paying for this and I'm paying for that. And that's the extent of, you know, what I'm going to do for you. You need, you wanted to strike out on your own. So you need to do it on your own. And it was, he was a bit of a dick, even though his name is Bruce. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it, it was, you know, his idea of tough love of, okay, you know what, he's going to, he's going to come and ask me what to do in this situation. And if I help him, he's just going to come back to me and ask me again and again and again, when he comes up against these crazy situations and being Batman for years, he knows that he's going to come up against crazy situations like literally every day because Gotham is full of insane people and people who like to dress up as animals. (laughs) Yeah. People who like to change into animals and wolves and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So he's basically just like, you know what you wanted to do this. You're going to have to fly on your own. So 
Well, and uh, I, I think it is important to note that where this story falls in continuity, uh, Dick Grayson's identity had been made public during New 52 during an event called Forever Evil. And at that point, Bruce helped Dick fake his own death. And then Dick went oh, wow. deep undercover in this uh, spy organization called Spiral. And that's where the, the comic book Grayson comes in. Uh, which I think ran for like 20 issues or so. So it was it was a good almost two years where uh, Dick Grayson was like a super spy instead of being a superhero. Okay. And during that time, he had to make some moral compromises and make some really hard decisions about things that he would do that he wouldn't normally have had to do as a superhero. So I think this story is him really getting his feet wet as a superhero again now that they've, I, I mean, it's complicated and there's no need to explain it, but they they hide his identity again. And they uh, kind of like Spider-Man No Way Home. They, they find a way to erase <laughs> the world's memory of Dick Grayson being Nightwing, except right. for the really important people. So, well, that's interesting because in this, he kind of has to make some hard choices as well, because it's mm -hmm. not as simple as, you know, break in, rescue everybody, free them, and then we're good to go. Like. And even right. Raptor brings this up of like, how deep are you willing to go? Because you're going to have to make some short-term sacrifices to get to the long-term goal. And I think that's really a tough moral quandary, right? Because you see people who are imprisoned who are going to be used for genetic experiments or made into talons or whatever, and you want to save them because you're a superhero. But at the same time, you got to look at the the long-term or the big picture goal of taking down the entire organization because you can find these bases and rescue people, you know, on and on and on again, which there's nothing wrong with rescuing people. But right. if you can actually prevent people from becoming in danger in the first place by taking out the organization as a whole, then you don't have to worry about, you know, constantly chasing your tail, trying to find out where these bases are located and rescue everybody. So the, there's a lot of that in this where he, has to figure out you know what is he willing to let slide and and what isn't he willing to let slide yeah well i mean there there's there's like literal like children and orphans and homeless people that the parliament of owls are doing genetic experiments on to i am not exactly sure to what end except that they seem to be making an army of like animal people um yeah because <laughs> that's what you do but but uh because comic books so because because yeah. there's a there's like a, a crocodile or a lizard person, which that's that in and of itself isn't too unusual in Gotham City. But uh, there's a the leader of the Parliament of Owls turns into a giant owl monster towards the end of the story. And I think there was at least one more transformation in here, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that that seems to be what they're doing with all these people in sort of a it's the story isn't really commenting on human trafficking exactly, because that's obviously pretty far from any sort of real right. human trafficking thing that would happen in real life. But Hopefully. Uh, Nightwing does have that, that sort of moral struggle of like, okay, I just ran by this base where I saw, you know, hundreds of people in cages. My first instinct is to set them all free. And I think this is harder for him than it would be for Batman, because I think Batman is very much a big picture guy. He's looking at, what's going to do the maximum amount of damage in the minimum amount of time. But Dick has a really big heart and he is, you know, stuff just hits him a little bit, a little bit more than it would Bruce Wayne, who's kind of cold and emotionless 
about doing a lot of these things. So, and, and I mean, that, that comes across in his personality in this story too. He, he jokes around a lot. There are times in the story where you don't even feel like he's paying full attention to jumping off buildings and fighting bad guys. Cause he's like on the phone with Barbara Gordon part of the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think with his, both with his fighting style and with his personality and that moral problem that he has of like, okay, how deep am I willing to go in the parliament to take them down? I think that really does show how different he is from Batman. So, yeah. And then at the end of the story arc, we have this sort of revealing of a love story where we find out that Raptor is actually connected to Dick Grayson a lot more than I guess we had realized when we first saw the character. And right. if you've seen Harry Potter, if you've read the books, if you haven't, I'm going to spoil this, so I apologize. But <laughs> uh, the Raptor character and Dick Grayson's parents, well, his mom primarily, have a sort of like Lily Potter, Severus Snape love thing going on where... Yeah. So Raptor, he he got leprosy and he was... He was poor. He wasn't able to get treatment, so he lost feeling in his nerve endings, so they call him Mr. Numb because he can't feel pain anymore. And so he survived, and he met uh, Dick's mother, who uh, Mary Lloyd, who was, I guess, kind of a thief of sorts. And so the two of them teamed up, and they would basically like rob from the rich and give to the poor. And they had this like developing friendship that was going on. And at some point, uh, Mary joins the circus and that's where she meets John Grayson who becomes Dick's father. And so they get involved. And so now Raptor's kind of on the outside to where he, he had a chance at, I guess this love life, but instead, you know, it went to somebody else. And so he's busy sulking or whatever he's doing. He's still up to his old tricks and he's trying to rob Bruce Wayne. I think it was um, during the act where Dick's parents were killed. And so right. he blames himself for not saving, well, Mary, cause I, he probably doesn't care about uh, John Grayson. <laughs> oh, we can let that guy fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but Mary, you know, I should have, I should have been there. I should have saved her. I should have seen what was going on. So he feels some, some regret for that. So he kind of takes it out on, Dick, which is really what Severus Snape does, is he takes it out on Harry because he had that whole thing going for uh, Harry's mother. So it, it seemed very similar to me. It was the first thing that struck in my mind. But it was interesting because like Harry Potter's a little kid when he meets Severus, whereas Dick Grayson, like he's had this pretty decent life and went from being Robin to Nightwing and striking out on his own. And then now this is when Raptor decides to meet up with him, or maybe he lost touch with him and the Court of Owls brought them back together. I don't know. It just seemed like, well, if this was so connected from the get-go, then why is it taken this long for him to meet up with him? And they do show that like Raptor was basically stalking him. He's got photos of yeah. Nightwing like soaring through the air on his grapple somehow. And so he's basically been watching him for years and years. And it's like that, uh, that scene in minority report where Colin Farrell walks in and looks at the bed and there's like all the pictures all over it. And he's yeah. like, this gentleman is what we call an orgy of evidence where in other words, it looks staged or it looks, you know, fake or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, a, it's a little hard to believe that he has that much on Dick Grayson and, and Dick Grayson is Nightwing as well but i don't know it's it's interesting in that 
Raptor is, for, for all intents and purposes, the villain of this story, but I don't think I would actually define him as a villain. I think he is more of an anti-hero because they show him, he does kill people at, at certain moments in the story, but it's always somebody associated with the parliament or somebody that's quote-unquote evil. And he does seem to be trying to work against the Parliament of Owls. In fact, he uh, there's one point where they get a whole bunch of evidence and they're they're gonna, you know, take it to the police, or at least that's what Dick thinks. But instead, Raptor leaks it to another spy organization, Cobra, and then Cobra comes in and they murder a whole bunch of the Parliament of Owls people. And and basically Raptor's like, you know, that's totally fine with me. They're evil. Uh, you know, if one evil organization helps us take down another, that doesn't bother me. And also I got paid for it. So, you know, not a big deal. But that's that's really where the big disconnect happens between the two characters, because otherwise they kind of have a lot in common. I mean, they both quip when they're when they're running around and, and joke while they're taking down bad guys. And they do seem like had their lives gone differently, you know, maybe maybe if Raptor didn't have to deal with. um sort of being pushed to the outside when he was younger, maybe he could have ended up being more in Dick Grayson's life. I don't know. Yeah. So is that a, a trope in New 52 or just the Bat family in general of having a villain who's like a reflection of the hero, like our review on uh, Batgirl, The Darkest Reflection? Because <laughs> I did some Googling and according to Google, who's never wrong, um, Raptor's real name, we don't know his last name, but his first name is also Richard, which oh, seems wow. way too like on the nose. Or Mary, maybe Mary named Dick Grayson, you know, Richard because of her childhood friend or something. I don't know, but it just it seemed like all too close. So is is that like a so common theme or I I can't I can speak about the new 52. This is this is like the very tail end of like the new 52 has just ended like a month before these, this story started. So it's, it's sort of a new era, although it's the same continuity, but I do know that they tried to introduce a lot of different villains during uh, Nightwing's new 52 series and none of them really stuck. They had just kind of generic gimmicks or whatever and I, I think maybe he fights the joker's daughter at one point or the mad hatter but those are those are characters that are at least still kind of marginally related to batman so i i think that they had trouble finding their footing with nightwing in the new 52 and it really wasn't until he became grayson and he did that super spy thing that his book really took off and they found a good direction to take him during that continuity. So he was one of them that it, it just took them a little bit longer to crack when they were sort of restarting their line. I, I don't remember, I don't remember specifically any of the villains really from that time. I remember there was some girl named Raya Vestry that was involved with his time at Haley Circus. That was one of his early villains in the first trade, I think, but that's the only one that really stuck with me. Yeah, other than that, I know that they, they had him leave Gotham and go to Chicago. Uh, and then, of course, he, he joins Spiral and he teams up with uh, Helena Bertinelli, who is, you know, eventually going to become Huntress mm -hmm. uh, in, in that book. But that was that was more what they ended up doing with his characters. So I think 
This Nightwing story in particular is really an attempt to get him back to the basics of his character and who he is and have him be that superhero jumping over rooftops, making jokes while he takes down villains, having kind of a devil-may-care attitude, but, but still very much being tied to that, that circus past and things like that. So I, I don't know that it was necessarily a trend in the Bat titles. The only other one I can think of that does something like that would be Batman and Robin. But I mean, Damien, one of Damien's biggest villains is kind of his mother. So I don't think you can really explain Talia Al Ghul as being like a dark reflection of Damien Wayne. She's just right. his mom and she happens to be evil. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't probably know. It's one of those things where, you know, you could look by the decade and see, you know, most popular villain origins. And there's probably mm-hmm. some trends there. Like back in the 60s, it would probably be falling into a vat of blank, you know, and then that's why we, <laughs> you got to be careful where you fall. <laughs> yeah you do yeah you gotta be careful where you fall if if you guys can't tell we just saw spider-man no way home not too long yes. ago we'll, we'll so try not to spoil it very very much uh very much on my mind yeah so dick grayson throughout this story has this internal monologue going the whole time which you know, I, I think it is fine, but there's a couple times he addresses the reader directly like he says did you know that and and things like mm. that, which I thought was a bit strange. Um, he also refers to himself at one point as sexy. And <laughs> in one issue, he and another guy go back and forth talking about what happened in the last issue to recap it. So Was that it, him and Tiger, maybe? Or I, it, I don't know. I forget who it was. It was either him yeah. or Raptor or, you know, some other animal name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed a bit strange. I've not really thought of him as a fourth wall breaking character. Um, but I did like, like you said, you know, with the quipping and that sort of thing that uh, he and the story both had like that jokier attitude than you would read like in a Batman title. And it definitely didn't feel out of place. Well, there was there was a joke in there that was kind of a running gag about Nightwing having a theme song that Raptor was teasing <laughs> him about. And I wanted to bring that up because that's actually something that started in Grayson where he did write a theme song for himself. Oh, really? When he was Agent 37 at this spy organization. And and Tiger was his partner, and Tiger absolutely could not stand this. He hated it. And once Dick <laughs> figured out that he hated it, he did it like every chance he could, you know. And so, so that that was sort of a running gag. Tim Seeley actually co-wrote Grayson with Tom King, who's the the writer that uh, you know we reviewed for Mister Miracle. And uh, so, so there are a lot of story elements that were carried over from that book. And the, the theme song was one of them, which it was actually very funny when later on it's revealed that Raptor actually has made his own theme song for himself. So Yeah, it seemed like he was doing that a lot <laughs> where, where Nightwing would have this internal thought of like, oh, I need a theme song or, oh, I yeah. need to call it, I'm Nightwinging it. Um, but <laughs> Raptor probably thought of that first. And then Raptor will say it out loud. Yeah, he'll before... be like, I'm Raptoring it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, th- this is clearly, like, <laughs> staged, but it's still fun. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just part of the tone of reading Nightwing, though. I think it's got a much jokier tone to it, even if they're going to go up against something super dark. And and the, the villains in this are not as graphic or violent or dark as they were in Batgirl, Darkest Reflection. But even mm-hmm. when Nightwing is fighting something truly horrifying, I think it's still 
his sense of humor and just his attitude will kind of change the tone of the story so that it's yeah. a little bit lighter. So, yeah, speaking of Batgirl, having her in this story was interesting, like because she she and Nightwing are sort of attached in that way, like them trying to have dates and then not being able to keep them or misunderstanding, like, well, what kind of date are we having here? Are we having a like civilian date? Are we having a superhero crime fighting date and having mixed messages like that? That was all funny. But at the same time, like I thought her portrayal in the story was more of like, you know, she was in costume, I think pretty much the whole time, but she yeah. felt more like a damsel in distress and kind of nagging mm -hmm. Nightwing more than what we read in her standalone story. Like when she's yelling, her mouth is like huge and vertical. And I just, I got this sense of like, does the artist have like a nagging woman in his life that he's specifically trying to draw here? Because <laughs> it was like really, she was yelling like, oh, no, you didn't. Don't you go there. You know, that that kind of thing. Well, there's there there's one point in the story where I do think it's appropriate for her to have a big reaction. And that's when uh, Raptor does actually kill somebody, although we later find out he didn't actually kill them. Mm -hmm. But uh, it looks like he's killed somebody. And she basically is like, I told you you shouldn't have teamed up with this guy. There's black and white, there's right and wrong. And, you know, he's operating in the gray. That's not where we operate. And I did think it was interesting, the idea that Tim Seeley hit on that she's a police commissioner's daughter. So she is going to see things in more of a black and white lens hmm. than somebody like Batman or Nightwing might, who have been more in the trenches of crime fighting. That being said... This is my least favorite portrayal of Barbara Gordon because like ever. Well, because particularly this iteration of her that started after Gail Simone stopped writing during New 52, uh, they changed her to this sort of do it yourself outfit that looks it's a lot brighter. It's a lot more colorful. It's got less of the padding and armor and that kind of stuff. And they also changed the tone of the character to be a little bit more relatable to teens and injected uh, more kind of teen drama into it. She's drawn and a lot of the too. intelligence and a lot of the things that we really liked about Gail Simone's run in the last episode, those were not necessarily carried over. So there, there's really a big disconnect with me because I really loved the Gail Simone run so much. And I felt like they really, like she just did so much work to make Barbara a, an empowered character that I really don't care for the the portrayal that happens right after when they switched creative teams. Unfortunately, that run on her book, or fortunately, if you like it, I guess, uh, was pretty successful. So they've kept that, that sort of do-it-yourself, she's lost all her resources thing, and uh, they, they made her a little bit jokier, and they don't really talk about the eidetic memory and a lot of those other things quite so much. And I... Again, wow. I really just don't care for it. I don't like her as a damsel in distress. I don't I don't care for really them doing anything that takes her away from that characterization that Gail Simone portrayed. Because I think that that was the really that was the inroad to Barbara Gordon. Like she nailed that character, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, a lot of what you named was, was pretty much everything that I enjoyed about that story that we we right. reviewed last episode. And to hear right. that they basically took it all away, that's yeah, um, it, it was just they basically sales about four years in to New 52 were not what they had been 
in the you know in the first four years of that era so they they had a lot of the books have a turnover with creative teams for like the last 12 issues so it might have been after issue 40 it might have been after 35 but it was it was somewhere in there through issue 52 uh, that uh they had cameron stewart and babs tar i think were the creative team and they went with a much much more cartoony style for her art yeah and that unfortunately translated to all of her appearances in the other titles as well so yeah i mean if you if you don't care for how barbara was portrayed in this story i'm with you i don't know that it's necessarily on tim seeley though he was really just being consistent with what they were doing in the line right unfortunately that's funny because like you know from my perspective i was just like why is he you know ruining this character all of a sudden but yeah i guess it was more just like you said he was going with what was at the time because looking yeah. at it later i'm just thinking well this is totally different from what i just read what, what's going on so i didn't realize yeah that. well i think even if you go from like issue 35 to 36 of fat girl it feels that way like oh this is totally different from what i was reading it it felt more like it should have been a reboot of the character and a different take than just a continuation of simone's run so yeah but that's that's a pretty um that's a pretty long sidebar, so I should That's probably right. get off my. I mean, I, I can I can rant about that for a long time because I really <laughs> like Gail Simone's Batgirl. So. I can tell because you keep knocking your microphone over. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep hearing it going. <laughs> you must be really passionate about it. I'm very passionate about yeah. it. So one more thing uh, that I really wanted to briefly discuss was the very end of the story. So there were there were two things that I thought were really cool that Tim Seeley did. And the art definitely sells this in that the fight scene at the end where Nightwing finally decides I've got to take out Raptor. He's he's killing people. And, you know, they've managed to take down the Parliament of Owls, but Raptor's doing it by murdering them all. And, you know, Nightwing is not OK with that because Raptor can't feel pain. Nightwing basically proves that he can turn it up to 11 like Batman and he just starts breaking every bone in his body. And the that fight scene got really brutal, but I also thought that it was cool that they showed that he can turn it up to that intensity if he needs to. It's just that that's not what Nightwing's about, so that's not going to be his first option. Whereas Batman's probably going to go out on the street and the first thing he does is starts breaking arms. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, pretty much so, the default setting on the uh, Titan show. <laughs> oh, just is described. it really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. It, so, so again, it, he can do it. And this was a situation where it's like, well, you're not going to hurt Raptor enough that he's going to stop coming. So you really do have to just physically disable him so that he can't move. And so he, you know, he did that. He broke like, I think both of his arms, like maybe broke one of his kneecaps and all this stuff and just left him there for the police to find and it was it was really rough. I mean, it was a brutal fight scene, but mm-hmm. I think he did what was necessary there. And it wasn't I, I, the story called for it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I really liked about the resolution of the story was that they didn't make Mary Lloyd and Raptor's past relationship be explicitly romantic. I think it would have been really easy to do that, but I think it was better to have it be an unrequited love type thing. And that also didn't really muddy up uh, Mary Grayson or Mary Lloyd as a character 
or you know it didn't really show her as being more morally gray or anything like that by like ending up with this this guy and they were just stealing for a while i mean they they definitely were people that were more outliers within society but i don't know i just i i would have found that distasteful had their relationship been romantic in the past yeah so a little too much yeah well, shall we go on to final thoughts and ratings? Yeah, so I've been actually having a little bit more difficult time rating this than the last one. Honestly, I think that the story is pretty tight. I don't really think there are too many problems with it. The gripes that I would have are more nitpicks, like the Suyalak gauntlet that Raptor has is very much just like, I'm using a plot device. I mean, that's just kind of capital P, capital D plot device that was a little bit too i don't know you just kind of felt the hand of the writer there but mm-hmm. other than that i felt like raptor and nightwing played off of each other well i thought this was a good story to get into the character of dick grayson and start to explore his world so i think i'm going to give this a four out of five and nice yeah i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sure that's where i'm gonna land the the art again wasn't something that either detracted or attracted me to the story it was just kind of like perfectly fine for the whole way through so yeah four out of five there's really not anything wrong with it it just doesn't quite have whatever that last element is to make it like an all-timer yeah i i would largely agree like maybe there's some nitpicks in there but there's nothing that's overall just like terrible to detract from the story that i was like oh this ruined it for me i mean aside from the batgirl stuff but that didn't ruin the overall narrative um i would say my largest complaint with this is that i don't feel like there's really a lot of character development for dick grayson like this is called better than batman but (laughs) you know he's not out to prove that he's better than Batman and then finds out that he doesn't need to be better. He just needs to be different or, you know, something like that. Like there was no, there was no uh, character arc as far as like, this is the, the moral of, of the story or where are we going with this? Or it just seems like a lot of things happen and it's a, it's a full story. Like it's not like things happen for no reason or anything like that. So I'm not going to rate it low or say that it was bad, but at the same time, there wasn't anything in here that was like a a gripping takeaway for me that was like, oh, I want to read more. Like with Batgirl, after I finished that, that we just reviewed, I was like, yeah, I want to read more of this. Like, it seems interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's cool. It's got like an edge to it that's different and it's not dark. But with Nightwing, I was just like, this just seems kind of average to me. Like what's special about Nightwing that makes you know, him a unique character. He basically has these two like glow sticks that he beats people with, but does he have (laughs) any uh, Escrima sticks? I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Does he have any gadgets? He has like a grapple or something. I mean, does he like, what, what does he do to fight crime? He just beats them with sticks. I mean, that's like, (laughs) it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot to him. And they introduced this kind of personal story to where, you know, why is there a picture of you with my mother in this story? It's funny um, how often that comes up. I know, right? That That's such a, <laughs> a line that can be used anywhere. Um, that's from DC Universe Online, a great game. Um, but anyway, so, you know, this personal story to him, but it doesn't seem like it changes him in any way. He's not like, oh, I reflect back on my parents, or he doesn't, you know, visit a gravesite later and look at their tombstones. You know, like the typical character tropes. Like, I'm not saying they right. have to get cliche with it. 
but it just seemed like it didn't really do anything for him through the story. So, like I said, this was more of an average to me, so I probably go okay. right in the middle of like a 3 out of 5 because again, okay. it wasn't bad. I'm not knocking the story. It's just I, you know, left me not wanting more. I guess is the problem. Yeah, that's fair. I it's it's interesting that you say that because like the next trade back to Bloodhaven is sort of as a result of his experiences in this story, he realizes like you know what? I need to get out of Gotham. I need to go do my own thing. I I can, you know, basically be my own hero. And he goes to the city of Bloodhaven and that basically restores him to his status quo from what had been in the comics years and years ago, where that was his city to defend. So there is some continuance of this idea of separating himself from Batman, but I think I'll agree with you that it's not as clear of a character arc as what was in Batgirl and I think that's just Tim Seeley the writer I I think he's more interested in moving the narrative along than having those character moments so I yeah I I can definitely see that that's perfectly legitimate great yeah and again this is really just based on the story and these issues like Nightwing is a character that's a entirely different rating like i think he's got such a unique standpoint of he was one superhero and now he's a different one and Mm -hmm. he's sort of transitioned from working as a team or as a duo working under somebody else and with a mentor and now being his own person and you know maybe even going on to mentor somebody else someday so it's you know like i said with my personal anecdote earlier in this episode like i i think it's a really it it reflects with me as a as a concept so i think the character is really awesome and has a lot of potential but for this particular story i don't think that they really delved into the character's potential other than just being able to tell a story around it you know if this was called like nightwing origin and this was his first day on the job as nightwing and they were trying to (laughs) establish him as unique you know i i might have rated it a little bit lower because they should have done more with it, but this being just right. kind of one story out of time, I mean, it was a fine enough story. I just thought it was kind of an average story, and I'm sure there are way better ones out there. So, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. A little disclaimer there, I guess. Yeah, anybody uh, anybody that wants to give us some feedback, too, if you can recommend some good Nightwing stories, I actually would be game. I know that the Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel era from really like the 90s through 2009 is considered kind of the definitive run on the character. Um, however, I really don't like Scott McDaniel as a penciler, like to the point that I actively avoid his stuff because it just, he does not understand human anatomy at all. And it, it's really, <laughs> j- to me, it's just ugly to look at. So maybe I can get over that at some point and read some of those stories. But if anybody has anything else they'd like to suggest, definitely uh, you know, sound off on Twitter or Instagram or, you know, any, anywhere that you want to reach us. Cause I would be interested. So. Yeah. Well, Tim Seeley, uh, understands human anatomy, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he must. Yeah. Uh, so next time on, we like comics because they have no bones. We are going to end our first season of this Woo-hoo! podcast. Awesome. So we are actually going to have a video cast discussion of the biggest winners and biggest losers of the first season, a discussion on what we've learned in our first year of podcasting and what we would go back and change if we could. So this will be very exciting collaboration for us. We'll also post the audio 
on the podcast. So if you're not able to tune into the video or you just don't want to see our faces, um, that's fine. <laughs> you can listen to the audio version as well. So that is. I think you're going to turn on YouTube and be like, oh, oh no, I no I'm out. That. Peace. <laughs> So thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. Don't forget to comment on social media, like us, subscribe to us, and think about us all the time and listen to all of our episodes again so we get more listens and likes. That's right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Comic books. Comic books. Comics. Comic book podcast. Comics. Peace out.